And welcome back to the Word Encounter episode 34. Episode 33, uh, last night I did a live stream um, because uh, I just wanted to, to make sure that we keep what we're doing in context uh, as far as the Old Testament is concerned and we don't uh, get things out of sorts, if you will. So if you haven't checked that out, check it out. Um, and uh, so that was uh, episode 33. And so I'm doing uh, labeling this episode 34. Um, today, thus far, anyway, my allergies have been kicking my behind. And so hopefully... Um, <laughs> that won't persist as we go through here. So with that, let's get started. We left off in Deuteronomy chapter 12, so in chapter, or excuse me, um, in chapter 11, yeah. And so we're going to pick it up in chapter 12. And uh, so we find in chapter 12 that the Lord is uh, going through some more details with regard to following his ordinances uh, uh, in worship and where to worship and that sort of thing. He talks about something interesting. I find this interesting anyway, <clears throat> with regard to uh, food, meat in particular. In verse 20, he says, When the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he has promised you, and you say, I want to eat meat, because you have a strong desire to eat meat. So then the Lord says, you may eat meat, or you may eat, you may eat it whenever you want. You may eat it whenever you want. You can have meat whenever you want. And so we drop down to verse 23, but he has, a, he has a condition. He says, but don't eat meat with the blood, since the blood is the life, and you must not eat the life with the meat. Verse 24, do not eat blood, pour it on the, uh, pour it on the ground like water. Do not eat it, so that you and your children after you will prosper, because you will be doing what is right in the Lord's sight. And so he said, you want meat, eat meat whenever you want. You know, just don't eat it with the blood. And so I just found that interesting. I don't think there's anything of any huge spiritual significance. It's just that sometimes people view the Lord, and I've done this before, if I said before, as anything that's fun or anything that's pleasurable or anything like that, the Lord's going to be against it and come down on you like a hammer. No. And so, so we can develop this, um, this uh, impression about God. Uh, about not wanting his children to have any fun and just everything is 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 always serious always you know some sort of um, you know stoic existence or, or whatever and that's not the case you know he says you want meat eat meat people just don't eat it with the blood okay so let's go on to chapter 13 <clears throat> first one if a prophet or someone who has dreams arises among you and proclaims a sign or wonder to you, and that sign or wonder he has promised you comes about. But he says, let us follow other gods, which you have not known, and let us worship them. In verse 3, do not listen to that prophet's words or to that dreamer, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And so he's saying, if you're listening to a so-called prophet and he prophesies something that's accurate, it actually comes about. Don't automatically think that's for me, you know, because this could be a test for you. So don't automatically think that. And particularly if he says, well, let's go worship other gods. 
In verse 4, you must follow the Lord your God and fear him. You must keep his commands and listen to him. You must not you must worship him and remain faithful to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death because he has urged rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the place of slavery to turn you from uh, the way the Lord to turn you from the way the Lord your God has commanded you to walk. You must purge the evil from you. And so he's saying essentially, you know, find the source of evil and get rid of it. Get it out of your life, because if you don't, it will infest you. In verse six, we move on to something else. If your brother, the son of your mother or your son or daughter or the wife you embrace or your closest friend secretly entices you, saying, let us go worship other gods, which neither of you uh, nor your fathers have known, any of the gods of the people around you, near you or far from you, uh, from one end of the earth to the other, do not yield to him or listen to him. Show him no pity and do not spare him or shield him. Instead, you must kill him. Your hand is to be the first against him to put him to death and then the heads of all the people than the hands of all the people stone them to death for trying to turn you away from the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt of Egypt. So he's saying, look, we were talking about prophets before. Now he's talking about family. He's saying, look, if somebody in your family is trying to lead you away from me, you got to get rid of them. Now <laughs> that is a harsh word, you know, and again, I can't emphasize enough that we're talking about essentially Old Testament judgment that was to be rendered rendered out within the Israelite community. And so this is what the Lord is telling his people. It is what it is. So let's go on to chapter 14. And um, in chapter 14, uh, the word is going through clean and unclean foods, you know, what you can eat and what you can't eat and you know, it says like in verse nine, it says, you may eat everything from the water that has fins and scales, but you may not eat anything that does not have fins and scales. It is unclean for you. Why is it unclean? I don't know. And so, um, but this is what the word is telling the Israelites, instructing them on what to do. And then uh, we move on. Oh, I find this to be interesting. And so we're talking about a tent or we're talking about the tithe, if you will. And uh, verse 22 each year you are to set aside a tenth of all the produce grown in your fields. You are to eat a tenth of your grain, new wine, or fresh oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock in the presence of the Lord, uh, in, in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where he chooses to have his name dwell, so that you will always learn to fear the Lord your God. So what is he, what is he telling them? He's saying set aside a tenth, you know, of your produce, you know, your food, your grain, your wine, whatever, set aside, set aside a tenth. And with that tenth, you are to go take it to the place of the Lord, the identified place, a city somewhere, and then you're to eat it in my presence. You know, you're to dine with me, essentially. So this is what he's telling his people. Now, one thing we must recognize here is that... I don't think, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think the Israelites had a sense of the Lord being omnipresent. 
meaning being everywhere at the same time. You know, it seems as though the Lord, uh, their sense of the Lord and where he is, he is in a specific place. And so they have to go to a specific place to meet with him. They have to send their priest to a specific place to meet with him. Um, you know, you had the tent of meetings where the glory cloud of the Lord would come down and set over the tent. And then the Levites would go in there and minister before the Lord. And so that was a specific place for them to go. So there wasn't this sense, in my opinion, of the Lord being everywhere at all times. So you had to go meet with him. And so we see in verse 24, so again, what we're talking about here, the Lord saying, okay, you know, bring, bring your, bring your food, wine, drink, you know, and come to, to meet with me. But in verse 24, it says, but if the distance is too great for you to carry it, if it's too far to carry all this stuff to come sup with me, since the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far away from you, and since the Lord your God has blessed you, then exchange it for silver, take the silver in your hand, and go to the place the Lord your God chooses. So he said, okay, instead of bringing all this stuff to come dine with me, sell everything that you would have consumed, get the money, and then go to the place with the money. And then in verse 26, you may spend that silver on anything you want. Cattle, sheep, goats, wine, beer, strong drink, or anything you desire. You are to feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice with your family. So what he's saying is, is that, you know, take all the, the, the resources, you know, and, and sell it, take the money, go to where I am, buy all the stuff that you want, whatever your heart desires, and then come feast with me and party with your family. That's, that's the way I interpret it. You know, come in my presence and just have a joyous time before the Lord. Now, this would fly in the face of a lot of the religious thought, but this is what the word is saying. You know, come party with me. It says, you know, you know, bring your wine, your beer, your strong drink, whatever, and come party with me. <laughs> so that's what it says. So let's move on to verse, excuse me, to chapter 15. And chapter 15 talks about the debts being canceled. And so in verse four it says, there will be no poor among you, however, because the Lord is certain to bless you in the land the Lord your God has given you to possess uh, as an inheritance. And so he's telling them, look, the poor thing, I'm not going to tolerate, essentially. And so he's, he's teaching the people what to do about it. In verse seven, if there is a poor person among you, one of your brothers within your uh, city gates, in the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Instead, you are to open your hand to him and freely loan him enough for whatever need he has. Be careful that there isn't this wicked thought in your heart. The seventh year of canceling debts is near and you are stingy towards your brother uh, and give him nothing. Okay, so what does this mean? So every seven years, the debts were canceled. So if any Israelite brother owed you anything, it was zeroed out every seven years. 
And so what this word is saying is that if you're in the sixth year or the seventh year and you don't want a loan to your brother because it will be canceled that next year or the next year, therefore you won't be getting repaid, if you will. He says, don't be stingy. Don't not loan to him because we're near the seventh year of cancellation. Do it anyway. And so the seventh year of cancellation, yeah, okay. And it says, he, the poor brother, will cry out to the Lord against you and you will be guilty. Verse 10, give to him and don't have a stingy heart when you give uh, and don't have a stingy heart when you give. And because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you do. So it's not only, you know, you are to give and loan to your brother. You have to do it with the right heart. He's saying, don't do it with a stingy heart. Just do it. Do it joyfully. In verse 11, for there will never cease to be poor people in the land. This is why I am commanding you, open your hand willingly, willingly to the poor and needy brother in your land. Now, one of the things that, that, that strikes me with regard to this verse is that um, in our present day, when we're crying out for a lot of justice issues and, and, and the, the poor, and, and this, if the church would do its job, then there would be no need for government assistance. See, if the church would do what the church is supposed to do with regard to looking out for the poor, because we're commissioned to do so, then you don't have government mandates coming down in the form of taxes and this, that, and the other, because the church is taking care of the business. And so in the absence of that, the government steps in, and we, we know how well that goes. So anyway... <laughs> If we move on uh, in the chapter 16, um, the word is talking about uh, the festival of Passover, uh, the festival of shelters, the festival of weeks, and again, more details and that sort of thing. But then he shifts gears a little bit at the end of chapter 16 and talks about, you know, justice, basically. In uh, verse 18, appoint judges and officials of your tribes in all your towns the Lord your God has given you. They are to judge the people with righteous judgment. Verse 19, do not deny justice or show partiality to anyone. Do not accept a bribe for it blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Verse 20, pursue justice and justice alone. Pursue justice and justice alone so that you will live and possess the land your, the Lord your God has given you. And so the word is saying essentially to the justice system, be just, be fair, do not be partial. And the Lord, your God will watch over your land. And I think we can all say amen to that. With that, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.